Will you turn with me, please, to the passage which we read in Jeremiah chapter 17? I'd like to consider this morning, as we may be enabled, what we have in verses 5 to 8. 5 to 8. It seems very fundamental when we think of it. These verses are quite fundamental and central in our understanding of life in this world, in a sense. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the, river, the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be anxious in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. This is the word of the Lord, and may the Lord bless our meditation upon it this day. If you can't get away from it, uh, from the beginning to end in Bible teaching, biblical teaching, we learn of a great dilemma in this world. There are two ways, the one leading to life and the other to destruction. Jesus taught this in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7 and verses 13 and 14. Two ways, a broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow road that leads to life. And we have it reflected here as we do, of course, in other parts of the scripture very effectively, such as, for example, in Psalm 1, of which this is very, in a sense, reminiscent. So you're either trusting in the living Christ or you're trusting consciously or unconsciously or not consciously only in the things of this world. It's one thing or the other. There's no halfway house. There is no medial way. People will be found out when they depart this life and go to their own place, either with the Lord or to the place of eternal loss. And that is the issue. And that is the great division that there is in this world of which we learn something here in this passage. Now these things are working themselves out here below in the conflict that we are involved in. The conflict between truth and error. The conflict between right and wrong, wisdom and folly. The conflict between basically the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the evil one. There is a spiritual war going on in this world and it involves all of us and everything that we see in this world. The sinful world, above all things, needs what? Needs the Spirit of God to change people's hearts, to bring them to faith and the love and hope of the true gospel, to bring them to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Saviour and as Lord. There's so much happening in the world. What with the recent global pandemic, the present economic uncertainties, international tensions. Besides this, there's this terrible, this terrible spiritual and moral decline in the West, and not least in Scotland. Scotland has fallen as far as any country, in a sense. And we've got this serious crisis 
even paranoia about central things in our lives, such as sex, over sexuality, gender, marriage and the family, and hate crimes, so-called. And so we can say, I think, with the Bible that the righteousness has fallen in the street and gross spiritual darkness covers the land. We're facing a sobering situation. And in all this, we are answerable to God and we must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of how we live in this world and how we, what we live by and how we live for Christ in this world. But on an individual level, and among nations, there is answerability to God. And there will be a day of reckoning, because God is not mocked. If an individual or a nation turn their backs on him, there will be, sooner or later, a price to pay. There's nothing new under the sun. The prophet Jeremiah, take the prophet Jeremiah, he lived around 600 BC at a time of great backsliding and declension in what remained of Israel. It was the southern kingdom of Judah. By this time, the northern kingdom of Israel had been taken into captivity and had largely disappeared. But the southern kingdom of Judah continued, and geographically it was more or less as modern, modern Israel, that's the, the old Judah. Well, the Lord spoke some clear words through his much maligned prophet, so-called weeping prophet, Jeremiah. The words we have in five to eight and verses five to eight in this chapter in Jeremiah come with power to us and to our society, every bit as much as they would have come in the days of the prophet had lived. There is nothing new under the sun. We mustn't think that there's somehow an irrelevance about the Bible especially in the Old Testament. We might be inclined to think so. Why do we think of the Old Testament? Because when you read through it, you realize that the state of man is the same, the spirit of man is the same, sin is the same. It has different manifestations, but it is basically the same. Salvation from sin is the same. And we have that here as well in this particular, uh, in this particular passage. Uh, now, the two ways here are spelt out, the way of folly and the way of wisdom. So first of all, notice from verses 5 and 6, it is folly to trust in man. It's a simple statement. It is folly to trust in man. It's one of the features of our day, trust in man. One way or another, we trust in man. We trust in politicians. They will bail us out when things get hard. We trust in the welfare state. It will keep us from cradle to grave. We have our life assurance to keep our minds easy about death. Maybe cremation as well keeps our minds easy about death. We have our, we have our family and hope our family never forsake us. We trust in banks to keep our money and to give us some money when we need it particularly. We are in a man-centred covetous-based, materialistic world in this particular period of history in which is chosen, the Lord has chosen us to live through, in which faith in Christ largely intrudes itself. 
We're constantly told of the achievements of man, but we are in the midst all the time of a moral and a spiritual crisis. There are so many other ways in which man is in the forefront of our thinking today. Not long ago, there were two notable anniversaries celebrated. In different ways, they have contributed to the prevalent man-centered view of life. I'm thinking of 2009 and the 250th anniversary of um, Scotland's Man of the Millennium, Robert Burns, a prof profane poet. His writing is so man-centered. A man's a man for all that and so on. And then there was the 150th anniversary that year of D Darwin's On the Origin of Species. And that spawned a huge outlook, uh, output in television programmes and books extolling the virtues of Darwin. His ideas fitted in with the rigorous, God-denying attitudes that have come to prevail. The atheistic, naturalistic, evolutionary philosophy, which one scientist, scientist has called the cosmogonic myth of the 20th century. And that pretty well sums up Darwin. They fit in with this trust in man, you see. Consequently, we're in an age of rootlessness, we're in an age of hopelessness. People are like wandering stars looking for some certainty and stability and hope and finding none because they've fallen to the trap of trusting in man, trusting in man and making flesh their strength. There's nothing new. It is a sure sign of a people whose heart departs from the Lord. They don't think of the Lord. They don't think of Christ. They don't think that they have to have Christ as their saviour. They don't think of that at all. They're they feel sort of threatened by it in a sense. They deny him, perhaps altogether. They want adverts on public buses as there were in some cities in, not so long ago. Don't worry, there's probably no God. That's the sort of thing that people want to hear. But what a folly it is. What a shriveled existence it is. A shriveled existence, like a shrub in the desert. A heath in the desert or a shrub in the desert. Like a shrub in the desert. What a brilliant description we have in these verses of life, largely life today, stripped of its superficialities. Doesn't see real good, doesn't see real virtue, moral, morally or spiritually, and is in a part wilderness. Social life is like a part, wilder, part, part wilderness these days, spiritually speaking. It happened in old Israel, it's been happening in New Scotland, as we read in this prophecy earlier in chapter 2, this is what we read. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And this is what people are doing these days, aided and abetted by the naturalistic, evolutionary, God-denying worldviews and a church that sadly has largely abandoned the gospel. This is the great folly of the age. We have to be aware of it. And the source of it is trusting in man and making flesh his strength. 
I suppose people, people assumed continuing and progressive affluence. And of course, the great material and technological prosperity under God has been a great temporal blessing to us, no doubt. No one welcomes grinding poverty such as our forefathers knew. Nobody welcomes that. But in the process, have we departed from the, from the Lord? Are we a barren nation? Are we not a barren nation spiritually? So many are careless and heedless of the true God, heedless of their, the fact that they have a soul even which needs to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. They can only be saved by him and not anything else and not anything that man can concoct anyway. Barren nation, heedless of the true God and the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom alone there is hope and direction. We are directionless. The desperate state of modern social life and the church just emphasizes the man's folly in tr trusting in man, man's folly basing his life on economics, man's folly accumulating so much debt or indeed accumulating so much of this world's goods, man's folly departing from the living God and denying him. We're all suffering. When will people realize? When will people learn the folly of trusting in man? When will they learn that God is not mocked? He will allow us to go only so far in denying him. We're thankful for advances that there are in many areas of technology and medicine and so on. We're thankful for these. This is a matter of common grace. But it is perilous to see these in a merely man-centered way and not recognize that we are dependent upon the Lord for all our creative abilities and resources that mere men have. We dare not be thankful for the blessings and not the one who gives the blessings. We dare not think of ourselves so highly that we deny Christ as Savior. We dare not trifle with his long-suffering either by persisting in trusting in man and making flesh our be-all and end-all. There's a searching word in Isaiah's prophecy relevant here. It's in Isaiah chapter 2. This is how it goes. And it's very relevant here. It's very relevant for our lives when you think of it. <coughs> the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, but the idols he shall utterly abolish. They shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. When he arises to shake the earth mightily, in that day a man will cast away his idols of silver, his idols of gold, which they made, each for himself to worship, to the moles and bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the crags of the rugged rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. Sever yourselves from such a man whose breath is in his nostrils, for of what account is he? So verses 5 and 6 give us an uncomfortable analysis of 
our situation. It's uncomfortable. But what is the answer? Or what is the alternative? It is blessed to trust in the Lord. We have this in verses 7 and 8. It is blessed to trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is the, the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the rivers and that spreadeth her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be anxious in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Here's the answer. Here's what deals with the issues above and beyond this life. Here's the answer because it is the perspective on the whole of life, the right perspective on the whole of life that keeps man within the bounds of his limitations and nature as the creation of Almighty God, the mighty God to whom we are answerable, to whom we are answerable, to whom the President of the United States is answerable, to whom the Prime Minister and First Minister of the United Kingdom and Scotland are answerable as well. Those in authority are answerable. Those governed, those who govern, the king and his family, the, the, the royal family, they are answerable to God. You and me and all men are answerable to God and will stand before the bar of divine judgment. And when we stand before the bar of divine judgment, what will we say? What will we say? The only way that there is hope for us, the only way that there is blessedness for us is our mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, our sin-bearer, our redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I trusting in him? Am I leaning upon him? Is he my saviour? Is he my Lord? That is the only thing that will matter in that day. Nations and individuals. Nations and individuals. The lowly and those who are movers and shakers. Burns, <coughs> Robert Burns and Charles Darwin, they've already gone to give an account to him. And there is a great separation between the saved and the lost, between the sheep and the goats. The awesomeness of divine judgment. Think of it. <coughs> Think of the awesomeness of it all. But his judgments are in the earth too. His finger is upon us and he is saying to us, look, don't trust in man. Don't make flesh your strength. That's folly. What then? Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man, woman, and child who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour, Lord, and hope. Their hope is not in fallen, corrupt man, nor anything man-centred, nor man-constructed, which will all perish in the end. Their hope is in Christ the blessed and his cross alone. The word of God is their sure guide of those who are blessed. It is the very purpose of the gospel, of the grace of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to elevate people in their view of life in relation to eternity. <coughs> Think on the things above. Think on, on the things of God. Think on the things that belong to your eternal peace and not just the here and now. Do you think in these terms? On what are your hopes based? Of all things we need in our society, 
of all things we need. We need in our churches as well. And in our hearts. It's just what we have in these verses. 7 and 8. What a different day when people turn from their idols to serve the living God. The true God. What a different day when people turn from man and from trust in man. And hope in man. In this passing world of shame and sin. And trust rather in Christ. For life. And hereafter. What a different day. When the Sabbath is observed. As it ought to be. And the eternal Sabbath anticipated. What a day when churches are full. With gospel truth. And not stones with bre for bread. Here is. A person's. Purpose and meaning. Here is something to elevate society. Here is what our leaders need. Here is what we need. We are cluttered up with a secular spirit of the age. May the Lord fill us with his spirit to shake off the malign influences of our day. Pray that he would do so among you, among our leaders and our, uh, and our politicians. Pray that the Lord would do it to amongst our leaders in the churches as well, that they would be restored to usefulness and power, spiritual power and commitment to the word of God and its authority. Pray that he would do so in our lives and in our families. Is our strength too much upon man? But in what does this blessedness consist and what are the results of it? The answer is true usefulness and assurance. For we shall be as a tree planted by the rivers of wa by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh. But her leaf shall be green. Shall not be anxious in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Like a tree planted with green leaves and yielding fruit. One thing is sure, there will not be usefulness for the Lord Jesus Christ apart from trusting in him, resting your soul upon him and hoping in him as Saviour and Lord. There will be no real assurance apart from that. You see here how it is trust in the Lord that delivers us from the fear of man and anxiety in what is called the year of drought. And you can't help but think of the anxiety that there is about climate change these days. And the rational anxiety about it. This is the finger of God. Fears and anxieties are inevitable when one's trust is placed upon fickle, fallen man. It is those who trust in the Lord who will not be brought to shame. In Christ is deliverance from the fear of man and anxiety and desperate circumstances, not least as we face the great eternity. Those who trust do trust in the Lord can face eternity with confidence. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? Do you know it? So what a situation Jeremiah faced. What a situation we faced. Essentially, it is just Exactly the same. How far can a country and a people go in turning their backs upon the Lord and denying 
the Lord Jesus Christ is due place as the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's a dangerous and uncertain world. What with the rise of Islam and with the collapse of the moral base of our society. And that's what's been happening in our lives, in our lifetime. Decline of the family and the church and the Sabbath, these great institutions of stability in society. So what do we do? We trust in the Lord and not in man. Because we face judgment and eternity, life and death, eternal life or eternal death, one or the other. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of all the deeds done in the body. So we must pray earnestly for his work, earnestly for his work in our hearts and in our lives, earnestly for his work in our churches and in our communities and in our land and through our governments as well. We take seriously his word and seek grace to keep it. We repent of sin and lukewarmness. We pray, Lord, deliver us from lukewarmness. Give us a zeal for God, zeal for Christ according to knowledge. Help us to be submissive to Christ. Help us to rejoice in him and in his salvation. Help, cause us to hope in him. This is the only hope that is, any, that is of any stability or, 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 or any value in terms of a great eternity. Lord, help us to get enthusiastic about the gospel. Help us to get enthusiastic about gospel witness. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in hearing the word of God and having it in our own hands. Help us to get enthusiastic about the company of people of the Lord and the church as the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. This is very precious what we have. Very precious that there are those who have not bowed the knee to Baal, that haven't, that haven't recognized the folly of trusting in man, but have received the blessedness of those who trust in the Lord. Oh, let us recover zeal for him. Let us recover zeal for his ordinances, zeal for prayer, and for those in authority and the mercy of God upon us. Prayer in these perilous times. So may the Lord give thy, his blessing upon his word as we, as we recognize it through his prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert, shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inherit, inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, shall not see when heat, heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful or anxious in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. And may the Lord bless these thoughts upon his holy word. Let us pray.
Our loving Heavenly Father, we are thankful for thy word. We're thankful for the truth of thy word. We're thankful for the promises of thy word. We're thankful for the warnings of thy word. And we pray that thou wouldst help us to assimilate them into our hearts and lives. Live by them, Lord. Feed upon them. Recognize our dependence upon thyself as the sovereign Lord, the one who moves nations and the one to whom we are answerable and must give an account at the last. Help us to do so with Christ, hope in Christ, resting upon Christ, looking to Christ, having him as our Saviour, as our Lord, as our sin-bearer. O oh Lord our God, we thank thee for such a salvation, and but we pray that thou wouldst help us to fight the good fight of faith, looking unto him, and resisting the evil one in all his wiles. Help us, Lord, to engage in the conflict in this world with the enabling and power of the Holy Spirit. So bless us today and, and bless us as we come to the end of our service. Undertake for us and enable us to live by faith, looking unto Jesus. Forgive us all sin for his sake and in his precious name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Let us sing in conclusion in Psalm 89. Psalm 89 and verses 15 to 18. <coughs> 15 to 18. Oh, greatly blessed the people are, the joyful sound that know. In brightness of thy face, O Lord, the ever on shall go. Thee in thy name shall all the day rejoice exceedingly, and in thy righteousness shall they exalted be on high. Because the glory of their strength doth only stand in thee, in thy favour shall our horn and power exalted be. For God is our defence, and he to us doth safety bring. The Holy One of Israel is our Almighty King. These verses of Psalm 89, from verse 15 to 18, O oh, greatly blessed, the people are the joyful sound that know. <clears throat> oh, Oh. Uh -huh.
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.